All right. We are in Blue State on Wall Street. Once again, the show goes on the road. And this time, again, we're on on Wall Street, on Blue State, or in Blue State Cafe. And my guest is Alita Staten, who is the all-around dance and arts maven in the city of New Haven. And I'm so glad that she has decided to... She's a little under the weather. So I'm glad that she's decided to take part in this interview. So, Alita, <laughs> off the... Off the Grounds, welcome to the show. And well, thank you so much for giving me a call. And hello, New Haven and surrounding areas. Um, I love you so much. And everybody loves you. Everybody loves and appreciates the work that you've done over the years. Talk a little bit about your history so it gives perspective on the conversation that we're getting ready to have. Okay, um, we're, we're going to talk about advocacy, and um, it, it, it's tricky when, when you're talking about the arts, because um, a lot of times the arts themselves are thankless after the applause, uh, but advocacy can be extremely thankless when you're talking uh, and trying to drum up support in this country. Um, for the arts where on the one hand those who are involved or whose children are involved are all gung-ho for it and then there are those who see it as an either or either feed the people or send them to dance class and so um, it's tricky to say you know we really want to support provide Mm -hmm. support uh, continue support, etc., for the arts. And um, as we discussed earlier, when I studied arts administration and was able to visit Americans for the Arts and the National Endowment, and um, the uh, sculptures in the Presidential Garden and whatnot, I was um, really drawn towards being on the team that makes sure this can continue to happen. Now, when you say making sure it continues to happen, Mm -hmm. are you talking about the arts in general, or are you talking about people becoming involved and donating and and kind of opening the arts even more to the general public. That's one big thing. And uh, it's convoluted, but it really is one big thing. Um, The meeting I attended on the 31st was about the National Endowment for the Arts. Mm -hmm. Whether or not the, you know, some executive decision in this country is gonna be able to just slice that up and throw it away. Um, the National Endowment was was created in the 60s, in the mid-60s, Correct. to support arts all across the country. Arts councils started to pop up during that time as well because 
there was a sense that you had access to the arts if you were in a metropolis like New York or LA. Right. But if you were in One Tree, Mississippi, maybe you had to go far to experience the arts, mm -hmm. even as a viewer, you know, not, not as a, even as a participant. So uh, a lot of the efforts that, that, that flowed out of um, efforts like mm -hmm. the National Endowment mm -hmm. uh, came because there is an enjoyment that we have that we have a right to because of our proximity but that other people have a right to because they're human you know um, the arts when you say the arts those are um, things that humans do and and the arts dance painting music are mm -hmm. all something theater. that's a theater writing writing media arts you know these are all things that people do and very tied into who we are as a country mm -hmm. I would say absolutely absolutely um, and very very respected in certain pockets around the world mm -hmm. um, you know, some of the arts had you know really radically different beginnings, but today um, are respected by the usual suspects and those who want to those who live on the coast, the east and and west coast, <laughs> as opposed to you know outside of Chicago or outside of Little Rock. Yeah, and 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 we want to know whether this is a, a we want to know if this is an issue of of access or is it an issue it of what, access? You know, or is that I, still the question? I, it's still the question. It's still the question. Have we done a good enough job to mm -hmm. provide access? Mm -hmm. And and it's one of the reasons that we uh, want the national agencies like the, the National Endowment for the Humanities and the, and the Endowment for the Arts to continue to exist um, because on the one hand they reward what they call excellence and on the other hand they provide a nearness that the human needs Mm -hmm. uh, to these experiences. They provide that visiting artist that doesn't live in your community. But we will send them to you mm -hmm. to provide those experiences. And it is typical for uh, people in their younger years to get their first experience in the arts that actually marries them to an arts experience that is a livelihood or a way of life mm -hmm. later on, such like me, right. you know. Um, and but we're we're always told that artists are basically starving. We are you know. always told that because we are, when you think of an artist, you think of that person sitting at the easel, you think of that person, you know, 
in a doing a grand jeté on the on a marley floor or that person is doing monologue and you're not thinking of the designer and you're not and I mean and some of those people are starving and some of them are not correct um, but we, we typically don't talk about designers we typically but why don't is talk that about, I, I don't I really don't know I think that for probably all of us to some degree are shiny objects kind of people like mm-hmm. you know I, I admit I am yeah okay <laughs> and and we respond to what we see yeah we respond to what yeah. we see what we feel and we're, we're not thinking beyond and we're not thinking of the engineer that built that space that designed that space for this thing to happen mm-hmm. and we're not thinking of uh, the people who built that piano um, and we're not thinking of you know the sound engineers uh, or, or those people that you know when you actually look at the list of folks why are movie credits yes so long yes because it really does take all of those people to make it work and i'm probably one of the very few people on the planet who sits through credits yeah me too <laughs> Because I want to know who did that. Me and the squad. So that's four. You know, three of us plus you, that's four. All right. All right. (laughs) You know, because... But who's the grip? Who's the electrician? I was going to say. Who, you know, these are folks that could be working on the wiring in your house. And then a few hours a week working down at the regional theater, mm-hmm. you know, getting their creative thing on. on. Yeah. 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 So talk about the workshop that you attended. Okay. The meeting. Yes. The, the arts industry. The convening, if the you conven- will. Yes. The convening of the arts industry coalition. I hadn't been to a meeting for a while. This is a local group that at one time was uh, comprised of arts organizations that had real estate, like okay. the Schubert. Okay. Um, today there are, are more members simply because they need more voices. And, um, and have, the, have the big, so-called big theater houses like the Schubert mm-hmm. kind of fallen off, no Absolutely longer members? No, 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 no. They're no. still involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the, the meeting that I attended on the 31st, the Schubert was there. The festival was there. The Creative Arts Workshop was there. Music Haven was there. I was there as the president of the um, Commission on Culture and Tourism and the director of culture and tourism, Andy, um, was there as well. And um, so there there were many organizations around the table, art space, you know. Um, And we really, and Long Wharf, uh, because Josh Bornstein is there, 
we wanted to talk about a response, you know, um, the to national, what's going on right now. To what's going on in Washington. And that is that there's a real threat, if people don't know, there's a real threat to National Endowment for the Arts and PBS and, and, and Arts for the Humanities, all of that mm-hmm. being cut by number 45. Exactly. Now, Keep in mind that these organizations have been under threat before. Correct. Okay. Correct. Their, um, you know, their endowments. So they were designed to live forever. Okay. Or, you know, as long as we are dealing with cash for for services. Um, But legislation has always demanded that we... When we talk about these things like cutting and and diminishing, etc., we talk about a time frame. Mm-hmm. We talk about a timetable. Mm-hmm. Um, in January, there was a letter issued that really broke down how you know um, any any cuts to these agencies would take effect after. You know, you go through your calendar year's budget. Correct. And maybe some things will become effective in the next budget or the one following that. This administration is talking about slicing now. And so the Kennedy Center, who just issued their list of jazz masters. Mm. Um, Dee Dee Bridgewater is one mm. of them. They're, you know, really tentative about what they're going to be able to do after the, the awards are issued. It, typically, you know, um, artists who have achieved excellence get an award and then there's a, a, a time frame in which they're able to either create new work, work with new people, etc. You know, they can actually elevate the excellent work that they've already done. But this administration is really talking about cutting us off at the knees. And when you say that, that means what? Funding stops right now? Some funding would stop right now. And no more funding is to be gotten. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, which is why we really need to pay attention to advocacy messages. And we really need to um, take a look into the history of similar legislation so that... Um, we are all on the same page because we're accustomed to not worrying about it. You know, we're so, um, we're we're accustomed to um, doing our bit and even lifting our voices, but then being satisfied that we lifted our voices and certainly somebody heard us. Now, when you talk advocacy, yeah. How effective is it and what are you doing? Okay, some things are are very, very effective and some things might not be as effective. Mm -hmm. Um, When you call, 
legislators that is very, very effective because you are a person. Correct. Okay. And you are paying their salaries and um, they, they will hear you. Um, one of the things that we talked about at this meeting was the kind of uh, it, robo messaging mm -hmm. that we might do sometimes and we think it's effective and it's not as effective um, because to, today there are going to be um, postcards issued with the logo of specific organizations and space to write a, a personal message and send it to your legislatures or send it to, you know, send it to Washington. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, you could absolutely put a stamp on that, put it in the mail without a message. You know, because the postcard itself is a message. Uh-huh. Okay. Many times those get trashed because they are not perceived to be from anyone. Okay. So it's very, very important uh, and we discussed this at, at the uh, meeting that we just had. It's very, very important that you write a personal message. That many many um, advocacy groups will ask you to, to write your uh, legislators. Mm -hmm. They'll give you a form letter, you know, to develop, you know, yeah, some right. already developed language right. that is aimed at the issue. Um, but it's very, very important to talk about why this issue is really important. I think of my niece, who owns a dance school and serves at least two, three hundred kids a week. Okay. She went through the public school system where arts funding flowed down right. from the National Endowment to the regional uh, agencies such as the National, uh, the New England Foundation. You know, there are, there are several agencies mm -hmm. that, that are all across the country and they represent just a clump of states. And that flows to the actual states. So there's a Connecticut commission. Okay. Right. And that commission funding flows through the Connecticut regions. So that a lot of that is national endowment uh, funding that comes all the way through all those agencies down to little old me in New Haven, Connecticut. Okay, and a lot of folks um, are, are unaware that there is a trajectory of some of that funding. Now some funding goes straight from the NEA to the organization, um, but that is not as common as funding that is just meant to trickle down. Um, so I think of, of, of my niece that went to co-op and um, went to, took advantage of, of lots of um, mm -hmm. organizations such as Dixwell Creative Arts Center for Children that was uh, in operations for about 25 years that received federal funding. Right, right. Um, and I think of how successful she is right now and how happy she is right now because she's doing what she loves and yes because she's, she's doing, doing what she loves she's got the training and she sees the inspiration that she puts in the kids and i'm she, sure yes she's passing it on she's yeah. passing it on and and they love her and i am so proud of her but 
eventually that would be extremely difficult to achieve because uh, to achieve that kind of excellence mm -hmm. because um, students would be less and less exposed to those types of opportunities and and we need that to continue there are all kinds of people in this world some people so if it doesn't continue mm -hmm. what does the world look like good question um, People talk about the difference between STEM and STEAM. STEM, Correct. you know, being uh, specific things that we study, and STEAM being the science. added arts. Yes. Yes. Science, math, technology, engineering. engineering. Yeah. Um, there, even those, even those. Uh, areas where you don't think the mm -hmm. arts has a presence or an influence would be forever changed uh, because the can element, you give an example the element of design the element of design of a medical chair mm -hmm. with a hydraulic lift um, I can't imagine that being designed without the influence of art. Um, somebody has to draw that chair. Um, certainly, you know, the, these um, disciplines cross into each other over and over and over and over again. I can't um, emphasize how often um, science and math is used in creating in the arts, mm -hmm. um, in in the art studio, mm -hmm. you know, even in building and maintaining and operating a theater. So, I just I I cannot imagine, truly, what we would do in a world like that. Is a play. Uh, that was written in the in the 60s, I believe, called Day of Absence, um, that talked about uh, a day when there were no black people. Yes. On or uh, anymore, and the the absolute chaotic environment that ensued after that, and I and I imagine that. Uh, you know, some something similar would eventually take place. Ensue. It wouldn't be immediate, but um, the arts are so pervasive. The um, from my daughter, the makeup artist, mm -hmm. to shoe designers. Mm -hmm. To, yeah, I mean, any type of design uh, is arts-infused. And so it just baffles me. As I, I don't want to imagine it, you know? Well, I think what happens is, with all of our so-called wisdom, we are still looking at things very narrowly. Okay. Um, 
I'll take that. And it, it, when we start to talk about media, mm-hmm. you know, people don't think about jobs behind the lens, behind the camera, no, or behind, you know, you might think about being on the mic, but then there's somebody who fixes that mic when it doesn't work. Exactly. And it's not the talent in front of it. Exactly. But we don't talk about that a whole lot. And I'm not so sure why, because it seems to me that these folks have to come from somewhere. Somebody's got to fix it. Somebody's got to wire it. You know, besides talent, you need someone who puts that talent when they're on camera in focus. Absolutely. And and there, you know, it's not debatable, but, you know, Mm. the, the writers... Right. Um, as well of, you know, uh, journalistic writers, mm-hmm. as well as creative writers, uh, writers of, of every ilk, are also creators. Um, creative, creative, uh, creative people are so deeply infused into every industry. I just think it would be hard to get us all out. And it's really an unrealistic venture. But that's my point. I think the people that are imagining these cuts are not thinking that far. I think they're only thinking of the so-called art that offends. Yeah. Or the art that, you know, they don't understand and people are paying all this money for it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why are we spending money on this? This yeah. looks like my three-year-old made it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you have a lot of that. So people don't necessarily look at the arts even as having professions. Oh, sure. You're, they're, they're, they're kind of confusing the aesthetic... Um, value with the practical value um, and assuming that when you talk about the arts, you're talking about what you see on stage and what you visit in the gallery and not any of the other arts uh, related professions that never get there, that, that are never intended indeed to get there um i'm i've been admiring these earrings that you're wearing (laughs) since you sat down and um you know the the simple balance of those hoops um with the second hoop and the third hoop you know it's not it's not something that happened by accident Happenstance, yes. Absolutely. Very, very specifically designed that way. And um, I've seen sculptures that were similar. And um, certainly, you know, uh, the centrifugal force behind... (laughs) 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 Operates through the same principles. It's a bunch of circles. Anyway... But I think, so if you're an arts advocate, is it not your job 
two make people see that? Yes, have it is. more of an open mind about that? Yes, it is. So how do you do that? Because I do that's that. one of those things that is sort of like values. Yes, you know, you can't you can't legislate people to like one another. Absolutely. But I can keep somebody from hanging me. It's with, that's legislation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and raising awareness is one of our jobs in addition to the other things that we have to do. You know, okay. teaching in the classroom, um, performing, etc. Raising awareness is absolutely one of the things that we must do. Um, <clears throat> and I recently uh, spoke on a panel of, of uh, artists who were talking to Kennedy Center um, nominees that were mm-hmm. and, and, and participants who some of whom were getting ready to go to Washington and some of whom were, were simply participating on the campuses where they were mm-hmm. as invited by um, Victoria Nolan uh, from the Yale School of Drama and um, really really grateful for her invitation to come and talk to people about careers in the arts you know what on earth do you do with a degree in dance right what on earth do you do with a degree in theater and um, simply because you have been taught to think spatially as a dancer is taught to think spatially or encouraged to think spatially mm-hmm. um, there, there are those of us who are taught to think in different ways I'm involved um, heavily in the theater and so <clears throat> I am often thinking things through um, building calendars backwards it helps yes. to learn the planning yes you know, um, project management. You're, you're, the skill sets that you're building are sometimes hard to define, but they're real. They are very, very specific, mm-hmm. and they are absolutely transferable to many, many, many other different ventures. And so, um, I was very uh, happy to talk to this group of students about uh, careers in the arts directed toward theater careers. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have, we were lucky to have a playwright, uh, somebody from the playwriting department at Yale with us, um, Victoria Nolan, who's the uh, dean of students at um, Yale School of Drama. And, um, you know, you, you don't, you can get a theater degree and never set foot on a stage. Correct. And have a really broad and, and fulfilling career. Uh, so, <clears throat> I always encourage, there are a lot of parents who say, oh my God, don't do that, because you'll, you'll never make money. I've never suffered. Um, because there was always something, you know, that either I've used as transferable and, or that was directly involved mm-hmm. in the theater. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've been very, very happy to do this work uh, because I have found it to, for a person like me who was a quote unquote, you know, on the regular track uh-huh. ever, uh, I like to read, I like to, you know, I, I do like to plan. Um, there are some things that are just fun <laughs> that your typical person doesn't, you know, doesn't see. Doesn't see way. that way, yeah. <laughs> right. 
Right. And so I have been extremely uh, fulfilled in in this profession. And so and and I've done things, you mm-hmm. know, that uh, uh, I probably would never have had the opportunity to do had I not had a theater degree. And I've been called to do things that I probably never would have been called for had I not had a theater degree. So, with that, Mm -hmm. what's the next step? What does your organization, or what does that collaborative, that convening, what came out of that? Can you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. What are their next steps? Our next steps are we are going to take the postcards that um, are the Save the NEA postcards, and we are going to encourage people to write their own messaging and um, make sure that you're thinking about the, um, the, the trickle-down of arts funding that could potentially have affected your life. Mm. What is it? I, I told you what the arts have done for my uh, niece. My, my daughter grew up backstage. Today she's in New York working for MAC Cosmetics. And um, she typically uh, works on magazine shoots and, and film shoots and, and loves her life. And um, there are, I grew, up in a, I grew up in an artistic family. My brother is a musician, my sister is a vocalist, you know, and, and so this is normal for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and... So we know what exposure to the arts can do. It has made us who we are. Mm -hmm. It has made us appreciate other cultures. It had, um, and especially the output um, celebrated by other cultures. Mm -hmm. Uh, It has really given us a sense of accomplishment when we have involved ourselves right in in the arts and it has helped us to become organizers and uh, it has helped us to normalize this type of life mm-hmm. so again so what's the organization going to do we're, we're going to batter this the postcards we are going to batter them with that's the the very beginning where um, I want to I'm thinking about Josh Bornstein's blog where you know we have to uh, message on our own websites we have to um, talk to our legislators statewide in Connecticut here's a, a another uh, thing that that can be a blind spot in Connecticut our legislators pretty much are the choir. We don't really have a lot of legislators in Connecticut who, who are against who are the arts. Against yeah. the arts. Okay. Yeah. So um, we really need to hop, you know, make, continue to talk to them, make sure they're still on board, but really talk nationally. Um, I was, one of my questions was, gee, you know, should we find out what the other regions are doing? We're in the NIFA region, mm-hmm. New England Foundation for the Arts. 
there's a mid-Atlantic region that is like next door. Mm-hmm. There's a southern region, there's a midwestern region, and you know, of course, there are regions in the west. Um, and we need to, this is me speaking, we need to find out what those other regions are doing. Are doing. Mm-hmm. And um, because we've missed a lot by not doing anything or by assuming that what we've done in our resting phase is going to work. And, and is we don't, that, we is don't that know because, that. Is that because, again, we're on the East Coast. Mm-hmm. New Haven itself is not that far from New York City. That's right. And so when you put those, just those two factors alone in the hopper, mm-hmm. you think that you'd get folks who would be very supportive. So we don't have to so-called worry about that, about people taking away monies because... That's what we keep thinking. Right. <laughs> right. Because we are always going to have someone who's interested in the arts. And it's not true. It's not true. So um, we have to keep running our mouths. And we have to become sort of a battering ram. Mm -hmm. And and we have no idea whether it's going to work. But it beats sitting back and saying nothing. Because you know what's going to happen then. Okay, you're gonna get distracted by uh, somebody's dress mm-hmm. in the news, and legislation is gonna be written behind your back and passed. So um, we we really need to um, keep our eyes on what legislation is being discussed, what legislation is moving forward what is being passed, and what kind of picture that is creating for our future. Were any congresspeople there? Any state reps? Do you no, know? Rosa was supposed to be there, but um, she got busy at the last minute. And so that was the plan. That's always the plan. This group is the one that sets up the legislative breakfast annually. Uh-huh. Okay. And so um, typically we, we would... Uh, once or twice a year go to Long Wharf and, and question and discuss with our legislators face to face and I know that we will continue to do that and um, there beyond that we may rally we may you know get out into the streets um, we are uh, we were part of the ghost light project that uh, um you know, resonated across the country. Explain what that is. Um, well, the, the ghost light is um, the, the whole metaphor of the theater being dark on Monday. Um, when the theater is dark on Monday, dark meaning it's not operating on Mondays, a ghost light is set up on the stage to, um, to you know, give light to the ghosts that are still in that theater. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> Um, and this is not my mythology. It really, you know, it's all, <laughs> it's, it's all it's theater. It's tradition. Yeah. Anyway, um, we use that, that metaphor to talk about what life would be like without theater. Ah, uh, okay. And, um, or, you know, without, without any of the arts. And, um, the, there were, uh, 
simultaneous events across the country. Um, our event was here at the Schubert. It was a half hour. We rallied um, and vowed to continue the conversation together with other organizations across the nation so that we're all informed and so that we are, you know, none of us are left out of the conversation. Um, and we have been, because I've gotten the emails, we have uh, continued the conversation under that banner, under the um, Ghost Light Project banner. Now, we all know you basically from dance, <laughs> teaching dance. No, I teach theater. I was going to say, and theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, and you don't want to call yourself a teacher only because you've been with Larry Farrell, so don't I, even try it. <laughs> I know these things. Yes, yes. God rest his soul. God rest his soul, my teacher. But, you are a songwriter of sorts. Yes, I am. And your music or your idea of a song and creating a song is now on an EP that's doing very well Absolutely. overseas. At least number 25 in England. Yeah. You Make My Day by Earl Whitaker, who I had on last month. Okay. And uh, we talked a teeny beeny bit, teeny yeah. weeny bit about your role with this song. Yeah. Tell me, what, what, how'd that come together? What did you end up doing? It's a story. I mean, Earl is a family friend and he's been around. We've been tight for, I don't want to say how many years, but, but forever since like high school. <laughs> and I teased him. I said, Earl was here with his guitar standing yeah. on Long Wharf greeting the pilgrims as they came in. <laughs> Girl, you to found, you to found know. the city. Yeah, <laughs> but, but since, since high school, our families have known each other, and um, he and my brother are very, very close. Okay. So he used to visit all the time. He visit the house, and um, I, I had a, I write poetry a lot, um, but I, you know, it's one of the things that I must do as an artist. I must write poetry. <laughs> and so I left a poem on the table and he was just passing by my kitchen and looked at it and picked it up and as he was reading it he's a musician yes. so it delivered itself musically to him um, to me it was the meter yeah. to him it was different and so he asked me if he could borrow it <laughs> and I was like, just take it, you know. I think I had had, I, I, I'm not sure if, if I had another copy of it, but... Uh, you How know, long ago was that? This was, oh, it had to be like 30 years ago. And so um, he played his guitar. This, I can't tell you how long ago it was. He gave me a cassette tape. <laughs> of him playing the guitar, playing the guitar. and singing my poem. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so, and and this was the crazy part. I listened to it repeatedly, and I said, you know what? I'm hearing background, because I'm a choral singer. Uh-huh. And so I'm hearing background responses to the way he's singing this song. And so 
I did the poor man's overdubbing, <laughs> where you get two on, tape recorders. I was going to say on cassette. On cassette, <laughs> you get the two tape recorders. I'm teaching you now. No one, no one owns one of these things anymore. <laughs> And you dub them back and forth so you can create multiple voices. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I said, and, and I called him. I said, look, 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 I got something for you. I got something for you. And I showed him the the song with background vocals. And he was like, oh my God, we have to record this. <laughs> and And like 20 years later, we had a tape of it. <laughs> It gets on the EP, and he's got his grandson singing, singing the, the vocals. Yes. Yes. yes, yes, what a beautiful voice! Yes, he, he has. does have a wonderful yes. voice, and you'd never know he's as young as he is with that I voice. Know. It's incredible. Yes, it really is. Yeah, I'm, I was very, very proud of being a part of that project because. You know, I've, I've known him as a person who strives for excellence. Mm. And I have seen him through project after project after project because my brother was close to some of these projects. And um, he just gets better and better. You know, better and better. And, it, and it's just, it's amazing to be a part of that project. You know, I love the song. Um, song's great. Called, called You've Got It That Way. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. song's great. We um, had the good fortune of playing each of the EPs, oh, each of the, okay. the songs, I should say, on the EP, and got to discuss them a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I'm happy for him because it's really cool that he is getting the type of recognition that yes, he is getting. Is. Yes, it is. You know, overseas. And, and, that, and that he persisted. Yes, you know, which is yes. which is part of which this is business. huge. Yes, it is. You because you, you have, have to. That. You must have that. Or, yeah. You know, and we all get tired from it. We all get you know worn out. Yeah. But we keep going. We persevere. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he persevered. So it's very cool that he, he is he's a genius. Yeah. That he's, <laughs> he's finally making his way. Not that he wasn't before. Yeah. But yeah. now he's reached that level. He's yeah. reached another level. So. You know, kudos to Earl Whitaker. Absolutely. Kudos to Earl Whitaker. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Alita, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I appreciate your time and your energy. I know, again, that you're under the weather. So it was nice for you to finally make your way to the show. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. Thank you for celebrating this. This, this person who is very happy to hover in the background. <laughs> Just to make sure it still happens. Alita Staten is an arts advocate. She is someone who teaches theater in the area. She is a child of Larry Farrell. Yes, indeed. Uh, Bowen School of Dance. I didn't go to Bowen Peters, no. but I did have Larry Farrell. You did have Larry I did Farrell. Have Larry Farrell, yeah. And you're president of the uh, Commission on Culture and Tourism for the City of New Haven, and um, also vice president of the Heritage Chorale. Yes, that is your chorale singing. Yes. Yes. It is. Um, and we're, we're, we're actually doing the Seven Last Words of Christ on uh, Monday. 
Monday coming up. Really? This Monday? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> like the, the 10th. Yeah, okay. that's this Monday. That's right? this Monday, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. At, at Dixwell Church. I was yeah. going to say, what time? At 7 o'clock. Okay, 7 okay. p.m., Dixwell Church. You can catch Heritage Corral. Yes. Seven last words. All right, and that's a free plug. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alita, thanks so much again. I really appreciate you doing this, coming oh, out you, and, and being a part of the show. And this has been the show on the road at Blue State Coffee on Wall Street yes. in New Haven. Thank you. <laughs>